order that those who are approved may have become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall then I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks for it, he broke it, and he had said the following, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it in as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number are even asleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you may not come together for judgment. And the remaining matters I shall arrange when I arrive. Good evening, everyone. Good to be with you again. Yeah, I got the title up there. I seem like an odd title. The scripture reading, I didn't know what scripture to, uh, to be read before this sermon. It's kind of a different sermon, so I chose that one. Um, mentions eating bread. Please take your Bibles. Turn to Mark chapter 6. There's one verse in Mark chapter 6 that I'm concerned with this evening. And I wanted this to be a fun lesson, if you will. I love a challenge. I hope you do too. But this verse, in Mark 6, verse 52, when I read it, it just made no sense to me. Made no sense whatsoever. Just read it along with me. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Just plucking that verse out of the Bible and reading it makes no sense, does it? Or at least it didn't to me. But even when I kept it in its immediate context, which is... Uh, the account of Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee, um, uh, verse 49, and when they saw him on the sea, that is the apostles, their disciples, saw Jesus walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and the 
they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Again, when I keep it in its immediate context, it just does not make any sense. And when I take the context out broader, uh, that's what we're going to have to do in order to understand this verse. What is Mark getting at with this verse? And so when I go out a little broader, I can see that, that this, all this walking on the sea uh, took place right after the feeding of the 5,000. So this is the broader context. And, and we have all four gospel writers mentioning all of these events, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on the sea. And so what we're going to do this evening is I'm going to figure out a way to explain why, why Mark said what he said. And I'm going to outline this sermon with verse 52 of Mark 6. For they had not understood, is my first point, for they had not understood about the loaves, is my second point. For they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. So let's begin. And I want to notice the first point that we're going to look at and make with this lesson. For they had not understood. And may I suggest to you that Jesus is misunderstood for many different reasons. He uh, was under, misunderstood in very early on in his uh, ministry when he went to his hometown. If you will look at Mark chapter 6 and in verse 2, uh, and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And, and we're, we're familiar probably with Luke's version of this, Luke chapter 4 and verse 21, where Jesus was given the scroll in the synagogue uh, and he read from Isaiah 61, and he put the scroll down, and he said, which was a messianic prophecy, and, and Jesus said, this prophecy has now been fulfilled in your hearing. And they didn't know how to act about that. They got so angry at him, they took him over to a cliff, and they wanted to throw him off a cliff. And so he was misunderstood by his own family members. His own brothers thought he was crazy. His hometown people thought the same. Jesus is misunderstood by people that have preconceived ideas about what the religion of Christ is. I'm going to look at uh, Mark chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. But I think we all, unless we were raised in the church, I think we all come to Christ with preconceived ideas. Because if we had any kind of of religious training at all, it was probably from a denomination. And in these denominations, they have their own traditions, their own practices. And so it's kind of hard to, to get 
away from that. And so I think uh, we all come to Christ with our, these preconceived ideas and, and practices that we think uh, that we need to be making. This was the case with the Jews in Mark 7 and verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. And he goes on and says that uh, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches, and so on. And we go on, and Jesus comments on this about their traditions. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines uh, the commandments of men. Uh, for laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other th such things uh, you do. Uh, at any rate, the idea here with Jesus uh, condemning these traditions that they had made part of their religion, they could not understand why he would do that when this has been a practice for years and years. And there, many times I hear, not many, but a few times I've heard people say, well, well this is just the way we have done it all the time. Um, it's not a good reason to continue to practice it, is it? Some people are just dull of hearing. This is why they don't understand Jesus. In the same uh, chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 7, and in verse 14, uh, Jesus had called a multitude to himself, and he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. And, and this is still in the context of, of this uh, traditions that he had just put down the traditions of the elders. He said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. Uh, there is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him. And again, he's still talking about this washing of hands and washing of, of vessels. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, What comes out of a man, that defiles a man from within. And he goes on and talks about the evil things of the heart. And so Jesus is misunderstood by a lot of people. His statement, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. There comes a time, and this is, I believe, is what Jesus was driving at. There comes a time when he expects us to understand him. He expects us to understand uh, the writings in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For they had not understood about the loaves. What is there that's difficult to understand about bread? You eat it. 
That's not what he's talking about, is it? Refers back to the feeding of the 5,000 uh, in verses 30 through 44 of chapter 6. They just had not let the miracle sink in as of yet. Uh, how big does the miracle have to be? If you're in Mark's gospel, let's back up in chapter 6 and let's look at verse 38 and notice what, where it all started. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Well, the loaves were multiplied, and Jesus passed them out, the loaves and the fish, and they all ate, and they were filled. We drop down here into verse 42. Uh, the Bible says, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets of, full of fragments and of the fish. Now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. And so... You can understand, we can all see, it goes against nature for loaves of bread to just multiply themselves out of thin air or little fish to create more fish, not naturally, but just in your basket. It goes against nature. It goes against nature to walk on water. It goes against nature to, uh, to multiply these loaves and these fishes. Nathaniel understood this. If you'll turn to John in chapter 1, we looked at this in our Bible class this morning, but this idea, how big does a miracle have to be before it's miraculous? Uh, in verse 43 of John chapter 1, on the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And here's where I was going with this. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of, the, of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, therefore, you shall see heaven open and the, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Nathaniel knew this concept that it was totally impossible for Jesus to have seen him sitting under that fig tree. There was something miraculous about that. And, and he saw it. He understood it. There were going to be more miracles that would come. John's gospel lists only seven miracles. He says in John chapter 20, and I believe it's the 30th verse, that many more signs Jesus did in the sight of his disciples, but these were given so that you may believe. And uh, 
We look at chapter 2 and we have Jesus turning water into wine. And we look at chapter 4 and we find a nobleman's son uh, who would be healed. And there was a man that was laid at the pool of, of Bethesda. In chapter 5, he had this uh, an infirmity for 38 years. Jesus healed him. We have the feeding, John's uh, occasion of the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Jesus walks on the water in verse 15. We have um, chapter 9, we have uh, Jesus healing a man who was born blind. And then in chapter 11, that awesome miracle where Jesus heals his good friend Lazarus, who had died, had been dead four days, and was starting to decompose. The body was starting to stink, and Jesus raised him from the dead. So those seven are listed by John. Many more were given. Yet in John 14, uh, and in verse uh, 7 through 11, we see some doubt coming out in these men. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. I mean, come on, who, unless God is working with them, can multiply loads? Who can turn water into wine naturally? Who can raise a dead man that's been dead for four days and starting to decompose? Apparently, they hadn't understood about the loads. They hadn't understood about turning the water to wine, and they had not understood about Lazarus. Let's turn to John chapter 6, and I want to look a little closer at the loaves that Jesus had multiplied and the reaction from some of the people. In verse 26, the Bible says, Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, let's back up to get a little context. Uh, Jesus had... had uh, been walking on the sea they had got to the other side in verse 22 it says on the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which the disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but his disciples had gone away alone however other boats came from Tiberias uh, near the place where they had ate bread after the Lord had given thanks when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has sent his seal on him. They, they had filled their bellies and uh, the miracle had just went right over their head. The uh, point that should be made from this, I had a young lady come into our services. It's been a while back. A little teenage girl. And she had come a couple of times, and I visit with her. And on about the third time, she came to me and she said, I think I'll be going to another church. And I asked her why, and she said, because they have food over there. Now, this is a common practice. Too many denominations use the draw of food and entertainment to bring people into their assemblies. The Lord's Church is catching on as well and trying to be nothing more than a Salvation Army to help the whole world. There's nothing wrong with helping hungry people in the world, but that is your and my responsibilities as individual Christians. But when we start making the draw for people coming in to hear the gospel preached, the food, then we're missing the boat. Paul said in Romans chapter 14 and in verse 17 that the kingdom of God is not uh, eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In this case, the food trumped the miracle. And this, this can be a problem, and we need to be aware of it, we need to be watchful of it. They had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. This is the last point I'd like to make. And Vine defines this word hardened. Uh, to make hard, callous. To petrify is used metaphorically of the heart, and he lists, first of all, Mark 6 and verse 52 as a scripture reference for that word hardened. And in Mark chapter 8, in verse 17, he uh, lists a second scripture reference that has that word hardened in it. I'd like to read it. Mark 8 and verse 17. Um, and I want to back up a little bit in verse 13. And by the way, this is in the context of another feeding of bread and fish. This time 4,000 were fed at the beginning of chapter 8 of Mark. Verse 13 says, And when he left them and getting into the boat again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have uh, more than one loaf with them in the boat. 
Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And, and do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, 12. Also, where, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? One final reference, scripture references John 12 and verse 40. Verse 37 of John 12, just to keep it in context, but although they had done so many, although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Disbelieving Jews. And so, John quotes Isaiah, and in verse 40, uh, verse 39, Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should, should heal them. And so, what are we saying here? What... Uh, that the disciples have the same kind of hard heart that the non-believing Jews did that crucified our Lord? Is that, is that what I'm saying here? No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, the same word is used. I believe that they were just a little slow. They were a little slow to catch on as to what was happening and, and what was going on and who this man Jesus really was. The Holy Spirit used the same word, but a question. Were there similarities? Were there similarities? A person's faith does not start out strong. We start out sometimes with just a mustard seed faith. We are expected to grow. Peter commanded us to grow in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 5, there were some who were not growing and the writer of Hebrews, whom I believe to be the Apostle Paul, uh, makes a statement here about these, these brethren that were not growing. He had been talking about the priesthood of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say in verse 11 of chapter 5 of Hebrews. And hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing... For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. And he goes on. So this is a reprimand. Uh, we should be growing. I mean, 
We need to be long-suffering with one another. Give people time to grow, but there comes a time when we should already be full-grown and ready to have solid food. We need to remember that not every disciple is going to make it. Judas was one that did not make it. In John chapter 6, and uh, beginning in verse 60, we had Jesus teaching some very difficult things for the people to understand. He was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. In verse 60, the Bible says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Jesus still has a lot of hard sayings. Uh, He has a hard saying concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. A lot of people do not want to understand it. It's pretty simple, but they do not want to understand it. The disciples here uh, were not willing that therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said this is a hard saying who can understand and when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this he said to them does this offend you? Uh, What then if you would see the son of man ascend where he was before? It's the spirit that gives life the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life but there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, and Simon's always got an answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The parable of the sower. I wanted to bring this in here, into this discussion. We're talking about, I've been talking about people growing. Some people not growing. Some people falling away. The parable of the sower defines four different hearts and I believe would we can find each and every one of us can find ourselves in this parable of the sower there are those that hear the word and it goes in one ear and out the other this is the hard heart the the ground that was so compacted it won't let anything in there's the thin soil the thin heart that, that the gospel is preached and, and you believe it and, and you're all happy, but then it just fades away. There wasn't enough depth of soil to keep you going. And there's the, there's the, the soil that, that accepts the gospel uh, 
But then the weeds grow up and the thorns and thistles and choke out whatever it is that you had. And there's the, then there's the one with the good and honest heart. And he grew or she grew and produced much fruit. I believe that we can be uh, all of those at one time or another in our life. I believe that I have been all of those soils in my life. We can change. We can grow. We can change our mind. We can become that person that the Lord Jesus wants us to be. Hard hearts can be changed. Saul of Tarsus is a good example. Uh, changing and he became the apostle who worked tirelessly, wrote over half of our New Testament, uh, did more work for one man than anybody has ever done for the cause of Christ. To wrap this up, Matthew chapter 14 and beginning in verses 22, uh, we'll fill in the gaps. Matthew 14 and verse 22. This is Jesus walking on the sea, Matthew's account. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And so my question is, how can Mark write at the end of his account, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Matthew says, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. May I suggest to you, good old Peter, Jesus said, why, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I give Peter a whole lot of credit for just getting out of that boat. 
and trying to walk on that water. And he did. You see, there's times when we're just like Peter. And our faith will allow us to do anything, to walk on water. And then there's the other times, just like Peter, when we fall real short. The lesson is yours. This is how I have harmonized that passage with the other other scriptures. I hope it's been beneficial. I'd like to offer an invitation this evening to anyone here that needs to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do so while you can. If you need to get right with God, do it tonight. Don't put it off. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow may never get here. If you have that need, come forward while we stand and sing the song selected. Would you lift Jesus happy all?